Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. and gentlemen and welcome to getting it out podcast that was ambulance with ours the song comes off of their new album two coming out december 15th of this month because it is december but it's not yet the 15th so you can still put it on your calendar you can be prepared they are a uh what do you what would you call that garage punk synth punk outfit out of leipzig germany there are four people in that band and this new record 
2 will be out on It's 11 Records, coming to you very soon, but not too soon. December 15th, I already told you that. Be on the lookout for it. Check it out wherever you can. Listen to it however you like. Again, that song was called Ours, despite the fact that it only took minutes. And you can listen to it for as many times as you'd like. Put it on a loop. Make it true. Ours, turn it into hours. Turn it into days. Let's make it exhausting. That's up to you, though. You do that on your own time, because for the rest of this episode, I'm going to be having a conversation with Kevin Rutmanis of Gas War. He's been in a whole bunch of other motherfucking bands throughout the years, and I bet you know him if I'd say him, but I'm not going to. You're going to have to wait and find out what that means exactly. Does it matter? Probably doesn't, but we'll see. But first, you know, we're going over to get some crossover from New Jersey from the brothers in Hot Sun. you back into parking spaces you should i encourage everyone to do it why i don't know it just seems right seems like the right way to do things back in at all costs people feel strongly about it i don't but i want to do things that makes people feel something whether it's a appreciation or pure vitriol yeah Because that's what backing in and out of spaces can do. Why are people okay with backing into, or I'm sorry, out of a parking space when people back into a parking space? Like, you're holding me up. Hey, man, it'll be quicker later. Isn't that the idea? I don't know. It's easier to pull out of a parking space rather than back out. But some people are really bad at backing in. So I kind of get it. But then they back out. So what's the problem? I don't know. You tell me, because I don't see an issue. I just want more chaos in parking lots. This is inspired by a rather chaotic parking lot last night at the gym, which my wife and I attend. And there was just cars everywhere. It was a mess. Ladies parked terribly. Yes, ladies. I'm uh, going gonna, gonna to draw some lines here. Women parked terribly. Not even the whole way into the spot. Dudes parked awfully it's it's interesting guys will park across the lines women's will not pull all the way in it's so it's a weird phenomenon with parking why do guys uh take up too much space laterally that's not the word laterally is not going to be what fits here and the women don't pull in all the way it's just a just an observation i'd like some answers please have a report on my desk by thursday morning Thursday morning, I believe we should know the participants in the semifinals of the NBA in-season tournament. Didn't know that transition was coming, did you? But we do know who won the first two quarterfinal games last night. The Indiana Pacers defeated the Boston Celtics, and I am delighted with that result. And the New Orleans Pelicans took down the Sacramento Kings at home. No light in the beam this week there, Sacramento, huh? So that was interesting to me. Interesting because Sacramento came out to a big lead in the beginning and then squandered it. You can't punch Jonas Valanciunas in the back of the head and get away with it. But that's what happened. I mean, he didn't get away with it. They lost. They lost. They lost. They lost. And now uh, you get to hear me talk about it because I have yet to start Punks and Dunks, a basketball podcast by getting it out. But I will. 
don't worry, it's coming. It's in the works. I need to get a few more pieces and then we're going to get rolling with that. But for now, you got the classic old Getting It Out podcast. And there's another cool conversation. This one with Kevin Rumanis of Gas War. Have you heard Gas War yet? No, you haven't, unless you heard two of the singles, which in that case you have, and you could have easily done. The funny thing is, is this album is nearly 30 years old and just now, this week, going to see the light of day. You may know Kevin from his previous bands, Cal's, The Melvins, and the plethora of other projects he has been a part of and still doing. But this one is special. It's him and a couple of fellows from Hammerhead and again, late 90s, resurrected to now. little refurb action and put together, polished up and ready for your consumption via Rock Is Hell Records. I'm going to play you a track from this record right now. It's the lead off track. It's called Get Down Moses and then my conversation with Kevin.
you get started down this road anyway? Like, what was the first thing that got you interested in, let's just say, rock music? Yeah. Um, well, I lived in Minneapolis. And, you know, this is a long time ago. And, uh, uh, and, and my brother lived there, too. And we were really excited about the new music in the world. You know, that was the earliest days, like, you know, I don't know, anything. Uh, Dead, Dead Kennedys and Minutemen and... and uh, uh, in in town in Minneapolis, Husker Du were playing, and you know it was exciting and new. And but there were very few bands in Minneapolis that were. Most of the bands to us seemed like they were playing some real middle of the road, just crap we didn't like, you know, basically. Yeah. And so, and but we didn't play instruments. I've played music on various instruments my whole life, but not, never, you know, I, I started playing piano when I was five. That kind of stuff. But then we were just like, we just wanted to play music, he and I, and we wanted to make the kinds of sounds that we heard. So we just started teaching ourselves how to play. Way back then, it was the earliest day, like the Jayhawks had just started. And you've heard of them, I'm sure. Sure. And they were just a local band that had just done a couple shows. And um, I lived with the bass player, Mark. And they had a practice space, so he would let us go. We'd just go up there and use their space. And me and my brother would just go up there alone and just play all the time. My brother went up there alone and taught himself drums. And I played bass a lot at home, and it just went from there. And I just couldn't stop it after that. It just kept going and going. So you you would say you're self-taught and everything? Oh, absolutely. There's nobody who would intentionally teach me to do what I do. (laughs) Well, uh, it's interesting that it starts, you say it starts with you and your brother. Was there anybody else in your family, your parents or anybody that was musically inclined or talented? Oh, you know, we were always, they played a lot of like records, like folk music and stuff like that. My dad and my mom for a little while, they played acoustic guitars. Like I remember they watched this lady on educational TV and did guitar lessons through her. You know, and then my dad, my dad would sit around and strum, but nothing Nothing really hard. They weren't really musicians. They played a little bit. My mom played a little bit of piano, but strictly very part-time, just once in a while kind of thing. Still, I'd say that's more than most. That's more than most people. Oh, is it? Maybe it is. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I can't. Nobody in my family, I believe, has ever touched an instrument, you know, as far as I know. So. (laughs) Well, there you go. And uh, I do know that my... I think it might have been my grandma, actually. They took me to a piano player when I was like five years old and got me lessons against the teacher's better judgment, actually. And I liked it right away. And she turned me on. I don't know how this even happened. I've got the old kids, but really simple piano music. But it was weird, contemporary people like Bartok. And my mom said, she said, you took to that stuff right away. You liked the weird kind of discordant stuff when you were five. And it kind of carried on for the rest of the time, right? I guess so. It's a gen- it's probably some sort of genetic mutation, <laughs> brain damage. <laughs> right, right. Well, it's it's worked out for you pretty well, I'd say. Yeah, I'm um, happy about it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We can all be happy with what what, what cards we were dealt, you know. Just learn to yeah, accept yeah. them. I'm lucky. I'm lucky that I'm happy with it. That's true. That's true. So when does it when does it start to uh, take off? And I I mean take off in terms of like, um, like get you're you're fully in the swing of things. Like making music is your prime driver. It's the thing that you're doing every day. That happened very early on in the cows. <clears throat> My brother and I 
the second we started playing together, we started doing it a lot. And I didn't even realize till much later, looking back on it, just how much the cows rehearsed. We just did it because it was so fun, you know? So we were doing five, six hour rehearsals with the lights off three, four times a week. Just because we thought it was super fun. Why why the lights off? Oh, partly possibly because of drugs. (laughs) Okay. And, uh, yeah, it was just super fun. And we all really, uh, Thor, the guitar player was someone I knew. I recognized him at college one day from third grade summer school we had together. I don't know wow, how you do that. Him. And I walked up to him and I said, are you Thor? And he's like, yeah. And I told him he couldn't believe it. It was like, Jesus Christ, you know, third grade summer school, but he must've left an impression on me. And then Shannon was a friend, you know, I'd just known him forever. And uh, originally our, our friend Norm sang before Shannon and uh, he played drums actually originally for the Jayhawks. And then he sang with us for not very long. I don't think he enjoyed it. And then Shannon was sort of waiting on the side for his chance to jump in. And actually, Norm became our drummer. He was a great drummer. So we just went from there. But really, early on in The Cows, we made a record because I... Oh, that's why I brought up rehearsing so much. I think we were probably musically, even though it was so challenging, shall we say, for everyone, we were really... We knew what we were doing, even though we didn't know we knew what we were doing. That's and interesting. That's quickly. a good way to look I at think it. we recorded. I don't think we. I think we'd have been together maybe a year when we recorded our first record, maybe less, nine months or something. You put out a lot of records with Cal's. We did, I think, seven. Yeah, and how many? Guessing. How many years was that over? Uh, about ten, maybe. That's pretty prolific is the word that I like. Yeah. And now I do way more than that, even. <laughs> I know just, you, well, your your personal discography is exhausting, but uh, that's, that's was one of the very cool things. That's I'm trying to move through some of it here. Yeah. 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 I just, re- I don't even really notice it that I, I mean, it's not like, oh, I got to do it more and more. I just, I like doing it. I do it kind of daily. And I, I think it's just a time that I feel. I'm okay. Yeah, sure. I totally get that. Has it been like that since cows? Kind of. I didn't, I mean, now with computers and stuff, I can kind of constantly record and arrange and mix. But with them, I mean, I played at home, you know, pretty much all the time just because I really, it was new and I really loved it. I still play a lot, but not like I did then. Like it was kind of all day, every day. And I remember one time Shannon came over to get me for a rehearsal and I was playing. <laughs> you practice at home? <laughs> I like, yeah, all the time, dumbass. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Nonstop. I like it. The, it was, a again, health, it a healthy like, obsession. Yeah, it was just fun. It was the one thing I really enjoyed doing, you know? That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, tell me about that. Uh, Minneapolis back then was there like mm-hmm. a because like I don't know maybe it's a maybe it's glamorized now but it's it, to me it seems like that was a something of a scene back then what was oh, happening yeah. how was it what how would you describe it there were uh, I mean you don't know if you're not somewhere else but they're looking back so many bands that were interesting you know once that 
was because, like I said, playing, we were kind of frustrated that there wasn't really anything interesting. And then after a while, there was a lot of bands. It didn't necessarily mean I liked them all, but they weren't boring. There were, people were really willing to try stuff, all kinds of weird stuff. And this would have been, you know, I guess the early nineties. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and there was, there were clubs you could play. You could, you know, they would let all kinds of weirdos play. And, um, there's this place you I'm sure you've heard of first Avenue because of Prince, mm-hmm. but there's a big club first Avenue and then connected right there. You go go through a door into a little bar next door called uh, seventh street entry. And they had a stage and they had bands in there and it could hold, I don't know. I'm guessing maybe a couple hundred people. And they had, they had new band night five bands you'd never heard of and it was i mean we went all the time just to listen to all the music and there was a couple other bars that did the same thing and uh, i was just thinking about this the other day because things were so different i was just going down to the those bars during the day and nagging for shows you know just kind of all the time calling go down there in person and just do you do you, nag. Do you happen to like ha- have a uh have an idea why it was thriving so well in Minneapolis at that time? I don't know if there's a reason. If It could be just one of those, you know, just confluence of time and people. Inter- people w- there was a real music explosion in the U.S. then. Mm-hmm. Sure. You know, all, all this music was unlike anything anyone had ever heard, and it was all being put out by people that were avoiding... It kind of was, if you could tour a lot, you would get at least some attention. You know, so it was a lot, it was more, way more meat and potatoes. For lack of a better word, kind of grassroots, you got a really crap van and you didn't have jobs and you were irresponsible and a danger to society and you jumped in a van and just drove all over the country over and over again. And if you were doing anything even slightly interesting, there were scenes everywhere. People went to shows, you know. Not to say we didn't play hundreds of shows to zero to two people. That happened also. Yeah. But, you know, yeah. It was just part of the deal. And well, we were it's, all shift, shiftless bums, essentially. I guess, well, not all this. <laughs> me and Shannon were. Well, that, that's, it's, it's such an interesting time to me because I was very young then, but I was old sure. enough. I was I was 10 years old, but I was old enough to listen to the radio and know it was happening like mainstream. And when, like in hindsight, that music was so heavy and weird that was being yeah. played on the radio. So, yeah. like that, so if that's surface level, you just have to dig a little bit deeper. And I'm sure it was like you're saying all over the place, everywhere. It was crazy. There were so many bands that I still really liked that were, I mean, uh, people didn't, there was no way to know about them unless you dug around or heard about them from your friends. They weren't on the radio. They weren't on TV. There wasn't an internet. And there were a lot of us willing to do that, you know? Buzz and the Melvins and I have talked about that a lot because we were both kind of isolated hick town. And you'd read, we'd read these, there were fanzines going around. There wasn't that many of them. And you'd read and or else read liner notes on a record you liked and go find the name, the person whose name was on there, you know? Oh, the read just, the thanks list. Yeah, yeah. Or just, I don't even know. Like I was just think, thinking, just, just today I was like, how did we find, are you familiar with Fetus? All yeah. the different feet. Yeah. The first one we knew about was the, the scraping fetus off the wheel record. And it just, I, I think I just saw the cover. That was the other thing was the willingness to just try it. And you could yeah. tell from the covers what was going to be 
something different and what was going to just be the mainstream stuff. And you just bring it home and go, holy shit. It was yeah, so long I, ago. I think I wrote my brother a letter and said, you got to check out fetus. <laughs> I I often talk about how I feel like I, I'm, I'm, I just turned 39. Right. So I grew up. Congratulations. In, <laughs> thank you. But I so I grew up in the pre-internet era and kind of and caught the beginning of the internet so to sure. me by buying music was like you're talking about it was looking through thanks list it was just buying cds off the shelf uh you know without hearing them just off of yeah. what section they were in what they looked like and then like when i was older in college i got to use the internet so so for me i feel like a really spoiled generation that i got to experience both types of uh, yeah music yeah discovery. me too i mean that's just how that's it true. I mean, yeah. uh, uh, like pre before DJs, um, vinyl was. I would just go down to the low because there were these huge, huge used vinyl sections, and the records were a dollar, dollar fifty at the most, and it didn't matter what it was. Mm-hmm. They weren't really different prices. So I mean, I was talking. I, I would. I remember the Miles Davis section was huge. So I would just <laughs> buy. I'll buy these five Miles Davis's records today. That'll be eight dollars. Okay. You know, and they might be beat up or whatever, but I mean, I was constantly buying these nickel and dollar records and just based on nothing on the cover, you know, where you could go to uh, 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 just really shitty used shops with, and there'd be just piles of record laying on the, not even standing up on their spines, but laying in big stacks. And I just load up. I remember I used to go to a place in the middle of nowhere in Minnesota. It was like a dime a record. Fine. Oh, God, you never find that now. The records. No, my two, two, that's how I discovered Thelonious Monk. I'd never heard of him. I didn't know anything about him. I bought 20 records for two bucks, went home. It was that uh, Sphere record. And I, oh, no, Monk's Dream. And I played it and I just, oh, fuck, I couldn't believe it. It was just a dime, you know? How would I have ever heard that? I went to that's the true. library to find music. <laughs> well, since, since you've just, brought up a few jazz artists here, I need to stop you and ask you about sure. something. Because I, I myself just turned off... Uh, Coltrane's Blue Train before we started talking. And I I am not a jazz person at all, though I've been trying mm-hmm. to make myself one. I've been reading books. I've been buying records. I'm doing it all. Yeah. What to you are the essential jazz records? And what, like, what styles? Oh, man. That's such a giant continent. <laughs> of course. But like, like today, so like today, I listened to like Freddie Hubbard's Red Clay for the first time. And I thought it was awesome. I know that record. Yeah. And, that, and like you can't, um, but you, that's an expensive record to find still. And uh, see, yeah, anyway. That's the thing. Well, that's the other thing though. You can find you can find MP3 so easily, mm-hmm. and then they're free. I, yeah, but I want I, you I want know what I do it. a lot of is finding rare or hard to find records on YouTube, and I just download them from there. Mm. It's a good way to get records that I'll never be able to get otherwise. But yeah, that's, I, that's my I problem. started in jazz. I started well. I used to have a Victrola, and you could get boxes of seventy eights. Or nothing and so i i would buy and a lot of those were big band and jazz and i took it i started with big band i really liked big band and like you i read some big band books and you could find those 78s and the used lps for a song you know and of course some of it i really really liked it just went from there like i said i found monk totally by accident cool cover never heard of him Ooh, this is something i was pretty open-minded which helps yeah, Thelonious Monk is a cool name too. I think you know, right? He's got it all. Yeah, yeah. and also those, and then like the seventies jazz. You know, I just remembered I had 
when I lived at home with my parents, I bought a Diodato record. I was probably 15 or 16, you know. I guess I started pretty early. I didn't really think about it. <laughs> I pretty much just have always and there's there's so there's so much cool stuff out there to discover. And, uh, and more and more and more. I just can't believe how much music has been recorded. It's just crazy how many musicians have ever existed. It's nuts. <laughs> well, when there's people like yourself out there putting out albums year after year after year after year, it makes it a little difficult. You're you're contributing to the Yeah, I'm making the a pile. Problem. Um yeah. of course it Cows was was there in the beginning and then Gas War happens, right? Do I have that right? Yeah, it was weird. It was Gas War and Hammerhead were, we were really good friends. We toured together. We went to Europe together. We hung out together. We listened to music together, went to bands together. And then I don't even remember how it came up, but Paul and Jeff, who were the Apollo and Jeff, the bass player and the drummer for Hammerhead and I, I mean, we hung out all the time. And somehow we ended up starting to kind of jam together just for the fun. The songs came together really quickly. And we played a few shows live and, and we recorded with this guy, Mike Wistie, who lives in Minneapolis. And I have total like running long extended cables from the kitchen down to the basement kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Standing in the kitchen with the amps in the basement, that kind of thing. Recorded it. He mixed it. It still needed vocals on most. And we just, it just never came out. We just never finished it up. I, I, I joined the Melvins. And uh, Hammerhead broke up and became, it just stuff moved on and, you know, it wasn't our primary thing for any of us. And every few years I'd hear it and I'd go, oh, we got to finish this, you guys. And they'd go, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Another few more years came by. And then just, God, it couldn't have been, I don't know, maybe six months ago. You know, it came up on my iTunes or on rotation, I mean, in a, it's like, fuck, I still really like this stuff. So what was you know, it? What did you have recorded? What were you listening to? It was the record that came out only. It only had vocals on two songs and um, or even just one song. And it was pretty much just rough mixes of me, of the music, most of the music. And I just, I thought, it, I was like, these songs are really good. And I think my wife, Jean, even said, you know, she hadn't heard it. And she said, this stuff's really good. You should see if you can do anything with it. And I talked to those guys a lot anyway, and I just contacted them. I just said, hey, I'm just going to finish these if that's okay with you guys and see what you think. And they said, sure, you know, and I'd, I'd send them, each one I'd do, I'd send it to them, not mixed or anything. Like, I, basically, I added vocals and then a few overdubs, some noises or some guitar, or something like that. And um, and I'd send them each one, make sure it was cool. And then Paul found another one he had sung that was really, he's a great singer. So it was really good. So we took that and I just did it that way. And they liked all the songs. And then, um, the guy, uh, the guy who runs, um, uh, rock as hell, he's in Austria and he's been putting out the, uh, uh, my other records of the, uh, hepatitis records for a long time. Great guy. Mm-hmm. And I said, Hey, I got this gas war stuff. And he's like, I have a really full schedule next year. I don't think I can do it. And then I sent it to him. I was like, ah, I'm going to have to do it. I really like it. So we, we've, and that wasn't even mixed yet, I don't think. And then, so there's this guy here in town, Jim, he calls himself Suedo. Do you, is it Pseudo or Suedo? Pseudo Beast? Pseudo, I think right? It, I, it, with a P? Yeah. 
Pseudo, yeah. Pseudo, yeah. I would think by now I can pronounce it. Pseudo Beast. But anyway, he's he's mixed my other stuff. He's just an amazing, great. He's really good at it. He's done it a long time. Um, he did that. What was that? He did that last Dead Cross record, I think. Mm, okay, yeah. He's done a lot of stuff. He's great. And and he said, yeah, yeah, I'll happily do it. And because the, like the bass drums guitar was already, I didn't have separate tracks. So I, he calls it fluffing. He fluffed the EQ. <laughs> <laughs> and then I, uh, you know, we recorded this other stuff. I, and uh, Jeff played some more drums on one song that didn't have drums on it yet. We just patched it together and Jim did his thing. I just, uh, pseudo beast, pseudo beast, pseudo beast. <laughs> I just turned him loose, you know, he's so good. And he did his thing and it came out great. And then, uh, uh Rock as Hell is coming out, I think, what, a couple weeks or something? Yeah, uh, next week, next Friday, it'd be. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I really like it. It's, 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 I think I stand by it, even though it's so old, I stand by it. And I hopefully we'll be able to tour. How how old is it exactly? Nineties, late nineties. Except 90s? it's not because a bunch of the stuff was added just in the last few months. All Good the, point. a lot of the vocals, some some guitars, some drums, lots of stuff. So it's kind of half and half. It existed between your time and Cows and the Melvins, right? That's the that's yeah, mostly so where it was. The, just the basic tracks, dude. Yeah instrumentally basically not even all the instrumental just the most basic instrumental in the market for investment worthy bags watches and fine jewelry rebag is the answer rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity use rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands including louis vuitton chanel and cartier head to rebag.com and get up to 15 percent off your first purchase as a member with code rebagnew shop today at rebag.com that's r-e-b-a-g.com and use promo code rebagnew for up to 15 percent off your first purchase as a member Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. That's interesting. That's very cool that you held on to. The yeah, I'm surprised I still had it too. <laughs> I'm just as surprised as you were. Well, so, so you mentioned that uh, a lot of the uh, or a lot of the songs are missing vocals. Does that mean right. that l- lyrics and uh, all that shit was done now recently? Yeah, that's really two interesting. The songs, two of the songs Paul had already sang, impeccably, I might add, and then. Uh, at least one of the yeah oh well you know it says I'd say actually three of them had vocals I forgot about one of them so whatever that leaves five or six needed vocals and yeah there was no lyrics I just kind of patched it to lyrics are easy don't let anyone tell you otherwise what are you what are you putting in songs what are you lyrically putting in songs why are they easy explain that to me probably because I have a lot of disconnected words constantly floating through my mind I have it's that a, unstable I, connection. It is. <laughs> I'm probably picking up other people's transmissions constantly. <laughs> and, 
and you know, I, I, my phone is full of things that pop into my head. Cause I write lyrics for my other bands too, you know? So that, I've got shit everywhere. Just sentences, particles, ideas. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, often my first pass vocally is the best because before I, before I work it out, then I'm just grabbing melodies and phrases and just doing what comes naturally. And it's usually a much more interesting rhythm and just the pattern than would happen if I kept pounding it out. I would eventually just shuffle the deck into like a regular, normal arrangement. But if I catch the first or second one, it's usually more interesting and stranger. Hmm, Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. It does. It yeah. does. But it's a- Same thing with guitar parts. The more I, not always, but if I keep, I, I often go to early recordings to learn the way I originally did it because if I keep pounding away at it, it starts to get more and more uh, just ex- uh, uh, predictable. Whereas my first or second blush tends to be more free and, and lyrical, shall we say. Makes sense. I think so. I think for yeah, sure. I mean, that doesn't sure. work for everyone, believe me. Oh, no, no, no. I don't think that would work for me, but I can, <laughs> but I yeah. can understand how it might work for you. Yeah. Uh, so speaking of, uh, uh, coming up with shit, meanings, things. What is this album title? Girl vanishes on way to Jive Club. You know, it's just an old Eng- from England. It's a newspaper headline mm. uh, from the, a horrible crime that happened in the '60s. And but at that point, they didn't know it was a horrible crime yet. And a uh, uh, not very old young girl just disappeared on her way to a jive club, whatever the hell that is. <laughs> and it, it just it's a nice sentence. I didn't even. I don't think I even. I found it and I ran it by those guys. I don't think I even explained it. They were just like, "Oh yeah, that's cool." You know what's funny about that sentence? That and it just made me think of this: that uh, headlines often don't make sense as sentences. That doesn't make sense as a sentence. Girl vanishes on way to jive club. Does it? Oh, I know exactly what you mean, and they're worse now. <laughs> I mean, like when I saw that sentence, at least I knew what they were talking about. And like right. I read news online a lot, and I just I just look at the headline. I was like, I have no idea what this even means. It's strange, you're right; it's a strange code, kind of. Yeah, like we all know what we can we can get an idea. It gives you the yeah. I don't know. It's more about here's what this is about more than right. this makes sense. Yeah, yeah. It's read more, and then it's hard not to find the same giant. I like it because it's kind of charming and silly, but then I know that it's about something really awful. So it's a funny two-layered thing. Well, that word vanishes is kind of tricky, you know? Yeah, that that a, one's, uh... that's a bad sign. But then it's <laughs> offset by Jive Club, which, you know, sounds pleasant, very nice. A Jive Club. I'm going to the Jive Club tonight to jive. As one will do at a Jive Club. As I one assume. does. It's in the 60s. So, and so in London, who the hell knows what a Jive Club was in the 60s? Could be anything. <laughs> they might still have 60s. them. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Well, all right. So, so when you kick this thing up and you got it re-going again, re-going again, that's not the, that's certainly not a word itself, re-going. You got it going again. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, I understood it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There's a theme here tonight. Um, and, and you, I think you just briefly, t- uh, said something about you might even want to tour on this. Yeah, we'd love to. It's just, you know, it's just logistics. And these, it's not like the old days when we used to do it where you just called a bunch of clubs around and they said, sure, 
<laughs> you know, it's just and, and then after the pandemic, so many places closed. Mm-hmm. So we're still trying to iron out how the hell we would even do that. But I, I, I'm I'm hopeful that we could figure it out. I wouldn't mind going to Europe too. Yeah, you know, uh, I'm certain you've played through your time in the Melvins, maybe even Cal's, uh, the venue that was here that closed during the pandemic. It was around for like 30 years, the Chameleon Club. I now, I I now have pieces. What's it called? The the Chameleon Club. Oh, yeah, yeah. I know for a fact Melvins have played there and there's certain, and and over and over and over and over. But anyway, there's that. I even remember the name. That that was a victim of the pandemic. And now there is a piece of the stage on my wall in the garage. But yes, to your point. Yeah, a lot of venues are kaput. They're just gone. And, and um, <clears throat> yeah, the whole, the, the mechanics are gone. It's just a different way of doing it. Uh, the, the Melvins were nice enough to take uh, hepatitis on a few tours, you know, and that was great for us, but I don't know how else we'd really do it. So maybe, uh, I don't know, we'll figure something out. Sure, certainly. I, was, I think you've got the know-how. You've been around long enough to get it done, right? you got the skills. I've been long, skills. Been around long enough to know how everything. I just know everything. <laughs> Well, yeah. (laughs) When you mentioned like having this material sitting around waiting, Mm -hmm. what does that mean? What was it on a hard drive? Hard drive. That was in my actual computer. (laughs) (laughs) I just move music from computer to computer. I just always move everything over. But I have so much music in my computer that I, I mean, I don't know if I would have remembered if this would have happened if it hadn't come up on random shuffle. Mm -hmm. And I was like, fuck. And I, put it on my phone and kept listening to it. Then I found the other songs and put them all on there. I was like, I have a, I really like this. You know, it's hard. It's hard to know if you're tricking yourself or not. That's a good point. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, I saw Paul Leary say <laughs> from the butthole servers that listening to your own music is, is like smelling your own farts. You're the only one who thinks it's good. Yeah, but sometimes you got to waft them, you know? Sometimes yeah, they yeah. deserve a waft. Sometimes other, who knows? Someone out there might like it. <laughs> that's, that's that's true and disgusting, but you know. <laughs> Just ask Chuck Berry. Yeah. <laughs> well, though, when when I look at this record, uh, of course, now I see this album artwork that you've got for it, and mm-hmm. uh, it's it's a confusing maze to look at. Tell me yeah. about this. Is this new, or is this from back then as well? Oh, the art's new. Um, my wife, Gina, who goes by the artist named Mouse Squaws, and she's a really good artist. She does a lot of my artwork. And that was, she'd done these pieces that were based on, um, uh, oh, on the cards that are in airplanes showing you, you know, what position to take when it's going to mm-hmm. crash and all that stuff. And uh, she made a bunch of pieces out of those are really cool. And I think... I'm not sure about this. I think on the computer, we overlapped them. So it's different images overlapping. Yes. Oh, it might have been yeah. from a video where we ran several of them at once. So that's why it's confusing looking. It's, it's a few different. And then she colored it how she wanted it to look. So that's, that's why it's cool. confusing looking. Yeah, I, I, I mean, really I like mean that in a good way. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, no, it's fine. I, I'm, uh, so, yeah, and it, I think it suits the whole idea of gas war and the music and it, it fits it does it does i like it do you, know, do you know what a gas war is no i don't i was that was going to be my next question what is a gas war well it's a very old 
Midwestern, I think it might have been just the Midwest, probably the South too. We're all from the Midwest, like the hick, hickiest of the Midwest. And uh, way long time ago, probably when we were kids, there used to be this thing that would happen. Like there'd be two gas stations across the street from each other. Uh-huh. And then all of a sudden you'd see these big, bright colored pieces of cardboard and they'd handwrite in marker on them. Gas war! And then the two, <laughs> they'd, they'd both try to have lower price than the other place. 17 cents a gallon, 16 cents a gallon, like that. And that was a gas war. That's like the total opposite of what I, when I hear gas war, I think. When I hear gas war, I think about like oil war. And we're just exactly. going to go and I think that's what everyone does. Yeah. <laughs> that's what everyone does. It kind of, it's kind of like the album title. It sounds like one thing, but there's something weird beneath it. Yeah, your gas war, the Midwest gas war, sounds awesome. And I wish they would uh, <laughs> do a lot of them. It's, it's super goofy, uh, small town kind of thing. But yeah, it is us. And strange, very strange. Those, those days are obviously way behind us. <laughs> and you're right, it sounds more like, like uh, the Middle East or something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's I, I had a that goes to show. I mean, uh, you got to dig a little deeper sometimes because I had pretty negative uh, expectations just from uh, the name Gas War. Well, I think everyone does. You're not. It's not weird that you thought. That. <laughs> yeah, the the word uh, the 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 war word war will do that. Yeah, <laughs> and the word gas. There's yeah, no... throw some gas on it, literally, and uh, yeah. Yeah. So I I think it's reasonable that that's what you thought. We can About... be a little obscure. Oh, that's sorry. true. That's, that's true. That's true. That's good. Obscure is good. Um, the the record's been. Oh, it's not. It's not officially out yet. I know that. But I've been listening no, to but it. it for, will be any minute. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. But I've been listening to it for quite a while, and I'm sure other people's have. What has been? And I, I, I'd imagine someone like you is not too concerned about it. But what has been the feedback you've heard for this material? And I only ask that because it's been sitting for so long. Right. I haven't heard that much because, as you say. You know, it isn't really technically out yet, but I, I haven't, no one's bitched, <laughs> <laughs> you know, no, it's been, it's been positive, really positive, which is always nice. Everyone likes hearing, well, everyone likes having sunshine blowing up their skirt. Sure. But, uh, uh, yeah, it's been positive so far. So good. And like you say, after you do a few million records, it only has so much impact when people shit on you. Has there ever been like a, a, a a uh well i will say criticism to be polite has there ever been a criticism in a from a critic review whatever a fan that you've really read or taken in and thought okay that's a good point and, and actively changed no. something because of it no never <laughs> that's a, it's funny to even hear someone say that out loud that's preposterous no no that's <laughs> never uh, that's never occurred to me i mean it sounds like a good idea <laughs> but no, <laughs> I've never done that. I love it. That's 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 a, a real answer, and I appreciate yeah. that. Usually, well, I, I mean, usually when people, especially if they're extreme, uh, negative comments, it's it's hard to even just take it seriously. It's like you know, it is just a record, right? Mm-hmm. And fans are once in a while more in the early days. Is it say I liked your last record better? <laughs> you just go, you should go buy it and stop talking to me right away. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. It wasn't really, it's hard to take seriously. I, I'm confident enough in my stuff that confident, meaning not that it's great, but that it's what I intend it to be. 
So I second guessing doesn't really, I mean, I've had friends say, Oh, I can't believe you put that song on the record. And I'm still like, well, that's a pity. You know, I, I feel pretty confident about what I've done as far as being the right choices. Right. Is that something Not that had to come with, come with age? I was all, I was already uh, externally. It was always like this. Probably you're right. That inside, I'm sure bothered me more at first. But I mean, the cows learned almost immediately that people were not. I remember people waiting for us live. I remember a girl in Madison, Wisconsin, standing there for our entire set. There was hardly anyone there standing there right in front of the stage waiting so that when we got off stage, she said, you guys were terrible. And it's hard not to just feel pretty good about that. You know, <laughs> like, wow, you waited a whole hour. And then standing in that shit storm of sound to tell us that that's fantastic. It's hard not to think you did something right. <laughs> that's a great perspective. Yeah. By the same token, I, uh, the other side of that is we played some of the cows again, somewhere in the South that I remember it was like this big outdoor, like rodeo arena. And there was a couple there. I happen to remember no one else did our show. They sat way up away from us. And years later, that guy showed up somewhere and said, Hey, we saw that show. Yeah, that was one of the best shows I ever saw. So, I mean, that's the other side of it. You're like, wow, that's kind of great. Yeah, you know, I've, I've ex myself experienced some of those shows. And I went to a show once and I'll spare the people in it that were in the band, but they're some pretty uh, pretty well-known musicians and underground music. And they were doing this one-off project. Yeah, And it wasn't well-received but a friend of mine beside me said, you know, I feel like this is going to be one of those shows where we can say, I'm glad I was there. And like in hindsight, I'm oh, totally sure. glad I was there. Like it, it was yeah. very, very few people have seen this lineup of people do this thing. And uh, while it wasn't that great, it was just such an interesting experience. Sure. Still, I've seen a lot of shows that I thought were just terrific that were super chaotic, everything going off the rails. So the band was very depressed and sad. And I'd just be like, you guys don't realize that was so good. Just out of control. But I'm a fan of chaos. Maybe that's why. But it, I've really enjoyed some shows like that. Like you say, that it's weird and strange, but really can be a lot of fun. Sure. Well, speaking of fun, what, what's, uh, what's your plans musically going forward in the near future? Like, what can you speak about that you expect to happen or do, let's I'm, say, I'm in the, into the early I'm next the, year? I'm in the middle of right now. It'll be too long. I mean, it won't come out until next year, but um, I have a strange outfit called Lords and Lady Kevin. I don't know if you knew about that. And I don't know. Tell me about oh, it. It's, oh, it's on Bandcamp. It's, uh, it's me and my wife. And also, it was David Livingstone from the God Bullies, but he passed away, much to our horror. But, you know, these mm -hmm. things happen. And so we're still going. We've put out a shit ton of records and we got a band cap, but we're, we're working on one. And then Tre you know who Trevor Dunn is? Sure you do. Yes. Yeah. He, he heard, well, he, I did a record with him maybe a year or two ago, done with, uh, done with Rick Monis or something like that. It was a lot of fun. Good record. And, mm -hmm. uh, he, 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 he just got a hold of me. He's just like, Hey, let's do a done with Lords and Lady Kevin. So super pleased. Like, hell yeah. So we're in, it's just about done. So that's a full, full LP that will come out probably and hopefully in the first part of the next year. So you got that. Is there, I, I don't know. Is there any plans to do more gas war music? 
it's already been brought up several times. Like, okay, on the next record, we should do this or that in vague mm. terms. Everybody's excited. So that's a good sign. So I would say yes. That's cool. Very cool. Very cool that you were able to unearth this project and uh, make make good on it. I really appreciate that. And I appreciate that you're showing some interest. It's good. I think it's good. Do you like it? Do you like the record? I do. I do, actually. I like it very much. And well, uh, one thing I always do like to ask people when they're releasing a new record, and like I said, maybe for you, it might be different given your several albums into your life. And actually, this will be a nice question for all of the records you ever released. What is the most exciting thing to you about releasing a new record? I really like to, it's weird. It's sort of like, it's a little bit obsessive compulsive. I feel really weird if I don't have something I'm finishing up. Mm -hmm. So I get a lot of pleasure out of whatever it is, a video or right when it's done, that first week or two is, is a great feeling. It doesn't even really have to do with, how everyone receives it or anything. It's just that I've made something and then I get to, and then I really enjoy the shit. Yeah. Well, it's not, I get, I really enjoy the shit out of it when it's first done. (laughs) And then I've never listened to it or look at it again. (laughs) (laughs) Not true or else this record wouldn't be coming out. Yeah. I have an ongoing need where I'm like, ah, I don't feel right. I need to, maybe if I made something, you know, I mean, I'm pretty much always doing uh, music or making a video that goes with some music or something like that, you know, pretty much daily. And it's just that's when it feels perfect. I love the whole process. I love recording. I love editing. I love mixing. I love playing live. I like I'm like the guy that I like every step of it. The pinnacle is right when it's done. It's not even come out yet. And I just listen to it or look at it for a couple of weeks. I'm like, ah, I made this. Then I have to do another thing or I feel weird.
So there you have it. That was my conversation with Kevin Rootmanis of Gas War. The song you just heard was Terrible Day to Have Eyes, of course, off of the nearly 30-year-old debut album, Girl Vanishes on Way to Jive Club, out December 8th via Rock Is Hell Records. Go get it immediately. Track it down. Find it. Look under rocks. Dive in the nearest stream. Can you dive in a stream? Probably not deep enough. You should give it a shot, though. You might find it's deeper than you think. I don't know enough about the ecosystem or structure of stream to move forward with this thought. We're at a dead end. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed that conversation as I very much did. It was a total pleasure to talk to Kevin, a very funny guy with lots of humor and experience in the world of underground music. So thanks to him for his time. Thanks to you for your time, for listening, for joining me, especially for listening this far into the podcast. I want to tell you to go to gettingitout.net. Check out what's going on over there. Got my ass in gear a little bit and did some updates over the weekend. And uh, there's a new, new around here article up and there's a new one hot on the heels behind it. I'm going to take you through some bands right now that I'm going to feature in the very near future. We got Farsoft, Blow Your Brains Out, Lies, Alluvial, Mr. Bison, Sentinel, Jarhead, Fertilizer, Soul Incursion, and the classic, The Obsessed, fronted by Scott Wino Weinrich. Those are all to come. You'll get there. Don't worry, we're all going to make it. Somehow, we'll do it. But that is going to be it for this episode of the podcast. I'm going to leave you with another track from the Burn on the Bayou compilation, which is coming out this Friday, December 8th on Ripple Music. I played one last week from High Priestess. This one is from Boston's Kind, a band who I really enjoy. They had a great record out earlier this year. But now you're going to hear their cover of CCR's Heard It Through the Grapevine. Now, if you're not familiar with what this is, this is a basically doomed out version of all the CCR hits, Burn on the Bayou, out this Friday, December 8th, Ripple Music. This is Heard It Through the Grapevine, covered by Boston's Kind. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye.
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.